Today, my dear faithful, is Sexagesima Sunday. And the epistle is taken from St. Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 11. Brethren, you gladly suffer the foolish, whereas yourselves are wise. For you suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take from you, if a man be lifted up, if a man strike you on the face. I speak according to dishonor, as if we had been weak in this part. Wherein, if any man dare, I speak foolishly, I dare also. They are Hebrews, so am I. They are Israelites, so am I. They are the seeds of Abraham, so am I. They are the ministers of Christ, I speak as one less wise. I am more. In many more labors, in prisons more frequently, in stripes above measure, and deaths often. Of the Jews five times did I receive forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I was in the depth of the sea. In journeying often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils from my own nation, in perils from the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils from false brethren, in labor and painfulness, in much watchings, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, Besides those things which are without, my daily instance, the solicitude for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is scandalized, and I am not on fire? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things that concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knoweth that I lie not. At Damascus, the governor of the nation, under Retas the king, guarded the city of the Damascenes to apprehend me, and through a window and a basket was I let down by the wall, and so escaped his hands. If I must glory, it is not expedient indeed, but I will come to the visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ above fourteen years ago, whether in the body I know not, or out of the body I know not, God knoweth. Such a one wrapped even to the third heaven, and I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, that he was caught up into paradise and heard secret words, which it is not granted to man to utter. For such a one I will glory, but for myself I will glory nothing but my infirmities. For though I should have a mind to glory, I shall not be foolish, for I will say the truth. But I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth in me, or anything he heareth from me, unless the greatness of the revelation should exalt me. There was given me a sting of my flesh, an angel of Satan to buffet me, for which thing thrice I besought the Lord, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for power is made perfect in infirmity. Gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ might dwell in me. And the Holy Gospel. Taken from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 8. At that time, when a very great multitude was gathered together and hastened out of the cities unto him, he spoke by a similitude. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And others, some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And others, some fell among thorns, and the thorns growing up with it choked it. 
and other some fell upon good ground, and being sprung up, yielded fruit a hundredfold. Saying these things, he cried out, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him what this parable might be, to whom he said, To you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God, and they by the wayside are they that hear. Then the devil cometh, and taketh the word out of their heart, lest believing they should be saved. Now they upon the rock are they who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no roots, for they believe for a while, and in time of temptation they fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they who have heard, and going their way, are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and yield no fruit. But that on the good ground are they who, in a good and perfect heart, hearing the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit in patience. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. My grace is sufficient for thee, for power is made perfect in infirmity. Words taken from the epistle of today's Mass. <clears throat> the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In today's epistle, my dear faithful, St. Paul lists off so many of his sufferings and labors, including his own personal ones that burden him so much that he asked three times to be delivered from it. And yet God answered, My grace is sufficient for thee, for power is made perfect in infirmity. St. Paul rejoiced then in this, his cross, his weakness, because with God's grace, he can rise above that same weakness, and it adds to his glory. Due to the effects of original sin, we are all born infirm, brittle, weak, just like St. Paul. Our intellect is darkened, our will is weakened, and our passions are disordered, sometimes leading to good and sometimes leading to evil. That is our infirmity. And it is by striving to master this infirmity, our weakness, that we can be made perfect. And it is all the more glorious, the weaker we are. Last week, I spoke on these six concupiscible passions. And today, I will go over the five irascible ones. The concupiscible are focused on the easy good or present suffering, like the passion of love looking to desert after meals. The desert is right there. You don't have to climb a mountain to get it. If you do have to climb a mountain to get dessert, that is what the irascible passions are there for. The irascible passions center around achieving the difficult good, conquering an arduous task, or giving up on it because it's too difficult. Hope 
and despair, courage and fear, and finally anger. These are the five irascible passions, and they are each and every one powerful. They need to be powerful because their object is, as I mentioned, the difficult good. That difficulty could be physical pain, suffer, or simply putting in the effort to achieve a goal. And so let us start with the emotion of hope. Hope is the feeling that the difficulty and the way of reaching that good thing, whatever it may be, can be conquered. That good thing could be virtue, or it could be money, it could be fame, or something so simple as running a football in for a touchdown. Now, just like the concupiscible passions, hope is positive and it has an opposite, and that is despair. This is not the sin of despair, just the emotion. Despair looks at the difficulty in the way of achieving something and despairs of it. It gives up because the difficulty is too great. Picture a child who once dreamed of being an astronaut, policeman, and president all at the same time. Then the day arrives when he realizes how much work is involved in doing even just one of those occupations. That emotion of dread at the impossibility of the task, that is the passion of despair. It lets him know that he should probably shelve that plan and settle for being a superhero instead. And so those are the passions of hope and despair that measure the difficulty involved and decide if, it's impo- if it is possible. The passions of courage and fear, on the other hand, are the ones that drive us to do something. Courage rallies us forward to achieve the difficult good, like a soldier defending his homeland or simply working out to get healthy. Fear is the opposite of courage. It drives a person away from an evil, some suffering, that is difficult to avoid. It is that cold dread and drive to escape that we all probably experienced when we were young and just knew that there were monsters under our bed. Fear led us to imagine those monsters and told us that we won't be able to escape on our own, and so we had to hide under our invincible blankets or call for our invincible parents. The last irascible passion is the most unique of all, anger. Anger is the rage that repels what hurts us and incites the desire for revenge. It doesn't have an opposite, something to balance it out. Courage and fear will often war within us, the debate of should I, shouldn't I we waver between these two. Anger, though, is all alone, and that is what makes it dangerous. Due to original sin, when we feel wronged, whether the injury is real or imagined, anger quickly rises within us. 
Maybe it is simply a slight movement of patience that makes us roll our eyes and sigh in annoyance. Or maybe it is full-on wrath, boiling, urging, clamoring to exact justice. There are many possible examples of anger, many sad states of affair. But I prefer to think of the man who made the news within the past few years for striking a kangaroo. You see, the kangaroo had the man's dog by the neck. It looked like the animal was going to kill the man's dog. And so the man charged right up to the kangaroo and punched it. The kangaroo reeled back, letting go of the dog, and the day was saved. In that situation, the man's anger that his dog, his beloved best friend, was being harmed, worked with his passion of courage to drive him to face and box this wild animal. And so that, my dear faithful, is all five irascible passions. Each of us have all five, just as we have all six concupiscible ones. Again, just like the concupiscible, what matters with our emotions is what they are leading us to and what we choose to do with them. The passion of despair is, of course, tied to the vice of despair, that insult to God's goodness of giving up hope that we can overcome vice, practice virtue, and ultimately save our souls. Sloth is another friend of the passion of despair, for this vice sees the work involved in virtue and salvation and despairs that it costs too much effort. That is the evil, the vices, that sin, that despair can lead us to, but it can do good as well. Despair can lead to the virtue of humility, for we should despair of saving our souls without God's help. Without God's grace, we cannot do the least good. Thus, we should use the feeling of despair to turn away from trusting in ourselves and put our trust in God instead. Then we can use our passion of hope to look to God with that trust. That is one of the good uses of hope. That virtue can be accomplished with God's grace. We can practice the Lenten fast. We can be generous and kind to our neighbor, even when they are not kind to us. And ultimately, we can save our immortal souls with God's grace. Hope is a wonderfully positive passion, but it does have its difficulties. You see, the emotion of hope can lead to sins of presumption, that we don't need to put work in to save our souls, such as living a life of sin and relying on the brown scapular to save our souls. Another friend of hope is imprudence, that we never have to ask advice about how to save our souls. 
As the book of Proverbs says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but he that walketh wisely, he shall be saved. Of course, we do have an intellect. God gifted us with the ability to recognize truth, including what is virtuous and what is sinful. Thus, while we should be willing to ask advice, we also should not be too afraid to recognize good from evil and make decisions based on our knowledge. That is fear if we do give in to that, and it leads to scrupulosity. It is again like the child in a dark room imagining monsters of sin all around it. And the child's fear says it is impossible to avoid sin. Such fear and scrupulosity can do much harm. But it is possible for fear to help do good as well. We should have a holy and wholesome fear of hell. Fear of losing heaven for all eternity. Fear of offending and wounding our eternal Father by sin. Working with that fear, the passion of courage can provide that drive to strive for heaven, helping practice generosity to God, diligence and perseverance in His service. On the other hand, Courage can lead to pride and presumption, thinking we are sufficient without God, or that what we think and want must be the right way. Finally, there is anger, and this is somewhat in its own category. Anger can help with zeal, wanting to right the wrongs of sin and the offenses against God, but it is a very dangerous passion to use. In fact, St. Francis de Sales says that we can, should leave it to our Lord, who did use the passion of anger during his life. We should leave it to him because he was perfect. He is the God-man. Anger in general leads, if you give an inch, it takes a mile. And so it is so often dangerous. These are examples of the virtues as well as the vices that the passions can lead us to. But one of the most important lessons about the passions is that they rise and they fall. At times, our hope and courage blaze within us to practice virtue, or the passion of despair may push us to the virtue of humility, or a controlled anger so rarely it can drive us to a good and holy zeal. At other times, those emotions come crashing down. Then prayer isn't so easy. We feel the cost of sacrifice more. Virtue doesn't feel good while giving into sin does. That rise and fall is part of our life. It is part of our nature. 
In the same way that we are not surprised when we see a dog chasing a squirrel, we should not be surprised that our changeable nature changes. What we can and should do is refuse the emotions when they lead us to sin, to use the passions when they guide us to virtue, and also strive to muster the emotions that will help do good in different situations. To a certain extent, we are at the mercy of how we feel. Sometimes we can't change our emotions. Oftentimes, though, we can. We can stir them up. We can deny them and at least somewhat turn them off. The way to do this is to change what is in our minds, or at least how we are looking at the present circumstances. For example, when temptation strikes or virtue feels hard, you can think of our Lord hanging on the cross. With that image in mind of such suffering born for you, enkindle the emotions of love and sadness to commiserate with our dying Savior. Push for aversion and fear at sin that would add to his sufferings. Stir up hope and courage to fight that temptation that you at least do not add to his burden. This is a good and wholesome means of using our emotions. See how truly power is made perfect in infirmity. Behold the true power of charity, a true love that does not care how we feel. It looks to the God we love and willingly sacrifices everything for him, whatever our emotions tell us. And so, my dear faithful, armed with this knowledge of your passions, may you fight the good fight for your salvation. May this knowledge help you fight wisely, not blinded by your emotions or led around by how you feel. Instead, may the light of faith be your guide and the glory of God your goal. He is always watching over you, hoping to see your love for him and to see in you and through his grace his power exalted exactly through your weakness. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.